everybody. Welcome to the Export Iron Raven X. And alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka somebody who may be getting a Kenny Lofton Jr. jersey soon. How you doing today, Ethan? I'm good. I, yeah, that jersey is like he makes the official roster. That jersey definitely on the way. He was a guy that I actually kept up with in college in Louisiana Tech. So I'm glad that the Grizzlies were able to sign him. Yeah, I'm low-key kind of surprised that he ended up going undrafted. But, I mean, I think him on the Grizzlies is a really, really good fit. And I hope he does make that active roster because I think that he could do some damage uh, for the team. But speaking of doing damage, we are going to talk a lot about the past couple of weeks around the NBA, from the NBA draft to free agency to whatever the heck is going on in Brooklyn. But, of course, we're going to start off the show with some NFL talk, talk how the Baker Mayfield trade affects the Carolina Panthers and then close this bad boy out with my money in the bag recap but before we get to any of that please be sure to check out the xreport.net i repeat the xreport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our youtube channel entitled the xreport so let's start the show off with things that we love to see starting off with the Las Vegas Raiders officially announcing that they've hired Sandra Douglas Morgan as their new president, making her the first black woman in NFL history to be named president of a team. Shout out to her. Hopefully she can open up more doors of black women being put in those big front office roles. Um, Other news around the league, Terry McLaurin, wide receiver for the Washington Commanders, finally signed a contract extension worth for three years worth up to $71 million in new money including a $28 million signing bonus. He got paid. Baltimore Ravens bring back Justin Houston on a one-year, $4.5 million deal. And then, of course, to the trade that I just mentioned, Baker Mayfield, after months of agonizing and wondering where he would end up, it seems he is the newest member of the Carolina Panthers. The Cleveland Browns received a 2024 fifth-round pick while Baker is going to be headed to Carolina to make the meal uh, to make the deal happen. Mayfield took a three and a half million dollar pay cut, where the Browns will be paying ten million of his salary, while Carolina will only be paying five mil. So, Ethan, what are your thoughts on the fit of Baker Mayfield in Carolina? Um, aside from the Robbie Robbie Anderson um tweeting out no when the announcement was like made a couple months ago. I don't, and that's hilarious. I honestly think it might be a slight improvement over what they are with Sam Darnold. I think that Sam Darnold, he's a, he's not, he's a guy that has shown potential, but he's a guy that also hasn't lived up to the potential so far. And I think in Baker, you can get, what you you can get something that you know what you're actually getting. You can get a guy that um who you know isn't going to be necessarily a franchise guy. He's a guy that you can grow for in the future. Um, you can grow for the future. You also not grow for the future, but like kind of bridge him for the future. I'm sorry to another quarterback that you think actually is worth being your franchise quarterback. But I know one thing: you might they might be getting a decent leader. In Baker Mayfield, from the sense of he's a guy that's going to always be competitive in that locker room, and he's going to get guys ready to go. Um, but I don't think that he made them a significant improvement. Like I don't see them being the best team in the uh, in the NFC South. 
Yeah, not at all. Um, I totally agree with you about, you know, where they end up stacking up. But, I mean, I like the move. With regards to Sam Darnold, I think that turnovers have just been a major concern. Like, you look at how the Panthers started off last year. They were 3-0. and Everything seemed to be clicking. Then uh, Christian McCaffrey gets hurt. Sam Darnold starts throwing picks like crazy again, and everything just starts to fall apart. And truthfully, even though, if you ask me, I would start Baker Mayfield, um, and it really wouldn't be much of a conversation, but truthfully, I think it's an audition year for both of those guys because let's not forget that, you know, Matt Corral is waiting in the wings ready to take that spot. Um, But I do think that Baker is an improvement. I think that while he's not as explosive and while he doesn't have, like, the deep ball accuracy that Sam Darnold has, he doesn't turn the ball over as much. You know he can get the ball out to the running backs and tight ends, and he's going to have some pretty solid weapons around him. So, Ethan, in your opinion, best-case scenario, how many games do the Panthers win if Baker Mayfield is the week uh, one starter? Worst-case scenario, how many games do they win? Uh, I think if he's their week one starter with the talent that they have around them, I could see them winning anywhere between eight to nine games is a worst-case scenario because, like you just said, they have some really decent weapons around him. Like, they have, they have Christian McCaffrey, who seems to be healthy. They have, even though he initially seemed like he didn't like one Baker there, they have a Robbie Anderson who's, can be um, – who can be that guy that is um, – DJ Moore bowed out too last year. Yeah. You said what? I said, I was just saying, DJ Moore balled out too. The yeah, guy. like he had – like they have weapons. So I think it's just a matter of like um, necessarily getting him integrated. So I think they'll be fine. I think they can win like eight to nine games. Yeah, best case scenario, I agree with you. I'd say about nine games. I mean, truthfully, I think the worst team in that division, regardless of who the Panthers started quarterback, is the Falcons. Um, So they should at least finish better than the Falcons. But, yeah, best case scenario, I could see them winning about nine games. Worst case scenario, I see about five. I could see them going five and 12. But um, if you guys have been paying attention to the xreport.net, you will see that over the weekend I posted my latest article and is our annual top um, – not top, but annual best offseason edition for each NFL team, which is with each of the 32 franchises, I break down which player that they brought in was the best of the group, whether that be via trade, free agency, the draft, etc. Who was the best player to join each respective team? So what we are going to do before we play our game of believable or buffoonery is we're going to rank the top five offseason additions throughout the NFL, which is hard because you and I, Ethan and I, we've talked about it. It has been a lot of crazy moves made this offseason, but part of me low-key feels like we might have the same number one. But do you want to go back and forth? You want me to go? Do you want to go? How do you want to play it? All right, bet. So starting at number five for me, this is where I have wide receiver Devontae Adams um, going, landing with the Las Vegas Raiders, playing with his former quarterback in Derek Carr. I mean, when you look at Devontae Adams, there's no dispute that he is a top wide receiver in this league. I don't think there's anybody who would have him outside of the top three, if we're being honest. Though I think his targets are going to diminish just because he's going to have more talent around him, such as a Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. I expect big things for him in this offense. Um, for me, I'm going to say my number five is going to be Khalil Mack to the Chargers. 
I think he's a guy that he's a little bit older now. He still he didn't show the same effectiveness that he showed in previous years with the Bears, but he also is a guy that I think once you pair him with another elite pass rusher in Joey Bosa, and he isn't going to get the same attention as an a, a quote unquote still elite guy. I think you're going to see his stock rise up. Yeah, I mean, I definitely got the Chargers on this list. That was a tough one to uh, not put on here. Uh, All right, number four, I have the Eagles trading for wide receiver A.J. Brown. I mean, I think everybody knew that the Eagles were going to get a wide receiver at some point um, of the draft, but the way that they were able to maneuver that 18th overall pick to get a player like A.J. Brown, who truthfully by that point, I don't think there was a receiver in the draft that would take over him. I just think that it worked out perfectly for the Eagles, and it's kind of made them from being a fringe playoff team to somebody who can really contend for that NFC East title. Um, I'm actually, this is where I'm going to have Devontae Adams say everything that you just stated, and I think this finally um, to me, this is a a step in the right direction of having trust in Derek Carr. I know at one point um, in his career, a lot of people were questioning, is he, that, is he the guy for the Raiders? And I think this past season, it kind of helped steer the ship towards, I think, it, making people believe that he is the guy, simply because he was essentially one play away from making it to the playoffs. And um, that's something that you just can't pass up on. So I got it. But Devontae Adams is a guy. He he has a tremendous skill set. He can run every route under the sun. He's a deep ball threat. He's a guy that once you get the ball in his hands, good things just always happen. And like we, like we said, he has just great rapport with Derek Carr as is. All right, moving on to number three. This is where I got the Chargers, but I'm going to go J.C. Jackson uh, joining the team. The Chargers' defense has definitely made a lot of leaps and bounds over this past offseason. And while Khalil Mack, I think, is a terrific addition, I give the slight nod to J.C. just because he is such a playmaker when the ball is in the air. I believe last season, if my memory serves me correctly, the Chargers' defense overall had 11 interceptions. J.C. Jackson by himself had seven. I think that when you put him on that defense with the talent on each level around him, it's only going to lead to big things and really help boost this secondary. So that's my three. Um, for me at three, I'm going to go with another cornerback. I'm going to go with Stephon Gilmore being added to – I'm trying to – didn't he go to Carolina? He went to the Colts. Yeah, that's right. I knew it was a, a team that's, like, weird, but I knew he was a good pick. But, yes, yeah, Stephon Gilmore going to the Colts because I hate to say it as a fan of the Tennessee Titans and their team in my division, but the Colts have had one of the better defenses for a while, especially their defensive front. The only thing that I think that they lacked were defensive backs, and you're bringing in a former defensive player of the year. Granted, he isn't that caliber of player um, to some extent now, but he's still a guy that garners a lot of attention in his skip, like, can potentially change games. And I think that, granted, I don't see the coach making a deep run in the playoffs, I'm going to be brutally honest and not be biased towards my Tennessee Titans, but I think the Colts are actually going to win the division, and he's probably going to be a big reason why. Yeah, I feel you on that. Before I really look through my list again, uh, Stephon Gilmore was five. I think that he is that missing piece that the Colts' defense was uh, that they needed. All right, number two, 
This was tough, but I'm going to go offensive tackle Lyell Collins going to the Bengals. You look at how potent that Bengals offense was with the bad offensive line. Just imagine how much better they're going to be uh, this upcoming year after adding some really good guys like Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, and then uh, Lyle Collins. I think that that's going to give Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon plenty of time to work their magic. Their receivers going to have more opportunities to get open. And it's going to be really scary to face this really young and talented Bengals offense. And it really just starts with Lyle Collins. I mean, in my opinion, I still think he's a top five right tackle in this league and joining the Bengals team he feels a huge need and provides a really big improvement and for a team that is coming off a Super Bowl loss this could be just what they need to get over the hump oh uh, for me I'm in agreement with you but I'm going to go with the pick that you said later and a lot of these and the, probably the only reason this pick is number two is um I guess you could say bias towards the player. I'm going to go with A.J. Brown to the Eagles. Um, reason being, A.J. Brown is a stud wide receiver. Granted, he has had numerous of injury concerns throughout the course of his young career. But when he's on the field, he's been one of the more productive wide receivers. And in my opinion, when you're in a situation when you have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts who you having questions about his production as a passer, being able to get a big name, already established receiver, especially young in his career, and you solidify him for I think the next four years, that's a huge, um, that's a huge improvement, especially when you're pairing him up with the fact that a lot of people with Devontae Smith, a guy that a lot of people think are going to break out this year. Um, so yeah, I got to go with AJ. That's fair. All right, number one, it was a pretty easy one for me, but I got to go my brother-in-law, Russell Wilson, going to the Denver Broncos. We talked about it for years. The Broncos have had talent at a lot of different positions, but at quarterback, it just seems to elude them. They get their best quarterback since Peyton Manning. I think that at worst, he makes them a playoff team, possibly even winning that AFC West. Of course, that's much easier said than done, but you put Russell on this team, and I think that the Broncos are really going to accomplish some big things in this, in the coming years. Yeah, I agree with you with Russ. I think he's a guy that, like you said, at worst, you're a playoff team. At best, you could potentially be a Super Bowl-caliber team, especially with the young weapons that they have on their roster with the Corden Sutton, a Jerry Judy. Um, thank you. What's the running back? Uh, Javante Williams. Williams. Yep. Javante Williams. I'm sorry. Javante Williams. Um, And I think he's a guy that he can elevate those guys. And he, especially with his leadership style, Every time that you see Russ talks to any of his teammates, he always uplifts them. He's always positive. And I think when you have younger guys on your team, those things, type of things can go, um, they can pay dividends in a major way. I feel you on that. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our game, Unbelievable or Buffoonery. Let's talk about a quarterback – who's a bit in flux, and that's Daniel Jones with the New York Giants. However, it doesn't seem that everybody thinks he's as bad as the media makes him out to be. For example, his former teammate, wide receiver Golden Tate, had this to say via uh, NJ.com. Honestly, feel bad for Daniel. Drafted into a rebuilding organization for one, had Pat Shermer for a year, then got Joe Judge for two years, now another head coach. On top of that, he had Jason Garrett, and that probably didn't help much. So, believable or buffoonery maybe just maybe daniel jones deserves more credit than he's been getting in the last four years i'm saying buffoonery but you know 
I'm somewhere in the middle. I definitely think that I definitely um think that he isn't a good quarterback. But I do to some extent agree with that um with Golden Tate in saying like he's been put in numerous of bad situations. And the reason I'm going to make a comparison. When you look at this team, um, when you look at the Giants and the way that they've had bad head coaches and bad and like a bad front office making decisions, I think about the Phoenix Suns maybe three years ago. Like they had a guy in Devin Booker who um he put up he put up good numbers but he wasn't winning. And I think in the case of Daniel Jones, like yes he does have flaws in his games in his game. But is he really being put in the proper position to win games? Like, his O-line has been atrocious the moment he's been drafted. He's been in a carousel of head coaches, and those are things that can, um, I think, can hamper in the ability of specific players like a quarterback. Yeah, I feel you on that. The reason why I'm saying no is just because while I do believe having multiple different coaches and offensive coordinators can have an effect on a player, that does not mean that he should still turn the ball over as much as he does. He's one of the most turnover-prone quarterbacks in the league, and we're seeing time and time again, you cannot expect to commit that many turnovers and still be successful. Nonetheless, keep your job. So I think that this is a big audition year for him, like Devin Booker you mentioned, you know, but – Devin Booker, his team around him was not that great, and people had questions about if he could lead a team. But he ended up pulling it together, and, yes, getting Chris Paul and other people around helped make things easier. But still, I mean, it also we also saw an improvement of his play, and I think if we don't get that improvement in Daniel Jones' play, he's not going to get the respect. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the Philadelphia Eagles, a division rival who has been getting a lot of hype this offseason. You and I both agreed that getting A.J. Brown was one of the best offseason moves made by any team. And then you factor in Devontae Smith, who may break out, Jalen Hurts, who's due to have a better year, and then running back Miles Sanders. And this could be a really good team, so much so that Miles Sanders even said in a recent interview, we all feel like we're on an all-star team team referring to the Eagles so believable or buffoonery you look at this squad top to bottom are they an NFL version of an all-star team uh I'm gonna say no I think the closest thing we've come to that has been the this past year's iteration of the Los Angeles Rams yeah but I think that they in my sense out of the teams during this offseason they probably have had the best offseason out of any team so far. Simply, like we said, they were able to get A.J. Brown. They drafted my my guy, Jordan Davis, from Georgia. They also drafted the, my other guy, Nicole Dean, from Georgia. Like, they made, they've made some great moves. So, I don't think – I don't see them as an all-star team. But I definitely see them as, like, a really, really solid team that could potentially win their division. Yeah, I'm going to say buffoonery, too. I do, like you mentioned, the offseason moves, I think they are one of, if not the most improved teams, just by the draft and everything. 
But even looking at the roster, you have questions about Jalen Hurts. I still have a couple of questions with regards to their safety group, their linebacker group outside of N'Kobe Dean, who we don't even know when N'Kobe Dean is actually going to step foot on the field. So that's something that has to be taken advantage of. But, I mean, they do have stars. I mean, A.J. Brown, of course. Miles Sanders has potential to become a superstar. Uh, Darius Slay is great. James Bradbury was a nice addition. But to call yourself an all-star team this early, I don't know if I see it. And also the last time they well uh, uh, an eagle said something like this was Vince Young when they got Nomni Asamoa Young was there I'm oh my gosh I'm blanking on who else they brought in but it was a total flop I mean I'm going to remember when I don't care Right, I just remember, I know they brought in Nandi Asamoah. That was like a really big move. But it never, it didn't, long story short, it didn't work out. And so, I, football is not played on paper. It's played on the field. And until the Eagles play like an all-star team, I'm not I'm not giving them that distinction. All right, last one. Uh, this week, the Deshaun Watson versus NFL hearing officially concluded. And while there's no official timetable on how long Watson will be suspended, it has fans buzzing about what would be the adequate amount of games for Watson to be suspended for what he has been accused of. So much so, one Facebook, I mean not Facebook, Twitter user said, if Calvin Ridley, wide receiver for the Falcons who was suspended for the year for gambling, gets a bigger suspension than Deshaun Watson, it will be a stain on the NFL's legacy, which poses an interesting question, believable or buffoonery. Deshaun Watson being suspended less than a year would do reputable damage to the NFL's image. Believable. I think, like, especially we've talked about, I think we've talked about it here, but when it's a situation where you have the MLB who suspended, I think, Trevor Bauer for mm-hmm. two years. Yeah, I think they suspended him for like two years. Yep. If they're willing to suspend one of their top players for two years, and you're not willing to suspend Deshaun Watson for at least a year, then it definitely puts the same on the on the shield. Yeah, I'm saying believable as well. Um and it's wild just because at the more I read, the more I listen to the testimonies and everything, it's like it's very hard to defend Deshaun Watson. I've talked about this with a friend of mine who's a Browns fan. It was like, I don't feel like this if this was a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers type deal or Patrick Mahomes, I feel like the NFL would try to find some type of way to minimize his their suspensions to where it wouldn't be a year, maybe even talk themselves into giving him like a single-digit games. But I just don't think Deshaun Watson is the hill that they want to die on. I don't think Deshaun Watson is a player that, I hate to say it, but like has brought enough positive attention to the league and has become so much more well-known – um, besides football fans, for them to just let this slide. Personally, I think he should get a year, but honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow he still ends up on the field. But, yeah, I do think that this will be a really bad look and will definitely be something that people look back on for years. It's a bad decision by the NFL if they don't suspend him for at least a year. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA. It has been, as we mentioned at the top, a really eventful past couple of weeks. So. Let's start off on some positive notes, though. Um, after it was announced that Kenny Atkinson was going to be returning to the to the uh, Golden State Warriors as their assistant coach, the Hornets have found their new coach, uh, bringing back Steve Cliff, Steve Clifford. 
Uh, he led the Hornets to two playoff trips in five years um, during his time that ended in 2018. He spent some time in Orlando. Now he's back in Charlotte. So congratulations to him. Another hiring. The Utah Jazz have hired Boston Celtics um, assistant Will Hardy to a five-year deal for him to take over as their new head coach. So congratulations in order for them. One more positive thing before, of course, we got to get to shenanigans. But NBA 2K23 has announced its legend cover athletes and its current cover athlete. Uh, in terms of the ca- current cover, it's going to be Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker. And honestly, the cover's pretty dope. Um, in terms of the uh, one of the other legends covers, it's going to be WNBA all-timers, Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird. And then... It can't be a 23 anything without MJ, and he will be the other legend cover. Ethan, I don't know if you've seen all the legend covers, but if you have, which one would you say is your favorite? Mm, I haven't seen all of them. I've only seen one. Okay, I'm going to send you Diana Taurasi. Well, if you're talking about just the Jordan, Devin Booker. And yeah, 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 that, yeah. I'm, it's the it's the Devin Booker one. Yeah, the Devin Booker one is sick. I agree. And then I like how they got the him gotten the uh Mambas on and then the be legendary. That's that's what yeah. does it for me. But yeah, no. I like the two K cover. I'm not pre ordering the game yet because I just want to see what other people think about it before I invest money to get it. But hopefully it's hopefully the story the my career is better than the last one because this 2022 was low-key kind of annoying but all right let's go ahead and talk some shenanigans miles bridges who was in line to make quite a bit of money this offseason as a free agent was arrested for domestic violence charges against his wife um in addition to those charges his wife posted pictures of herself after the assault which of course has turned teams off from him in fact the hornets are are expected to rescind their qualifying offer for miles bridges the Detroit Pistons were a team that were definitely in talks with acquiring him. Of course, they have withdrawn their offer. And so now Mr. Bridges has no prospects. So, Ethan, in your opinion, do you feel like with Miles Bridges' arrest, do you think he's ended his own career? I don't think he's ended his own career, but I think he's put himself in a place to where he's going to have to um, repair his image a lot. Like drastically, like he's gonna have to be a guy that if a team goes on the name and signs him, he's essentially gonna have to go to practice, go to games, and then go home. And I, I think that's gonna be harder for him to do because he's such a young player. But I think that like that's just the way that's that's what that's how the cookie crumbles for him right now. And um, but I don't think that his career is over because we've. We've seen a lot of like wild things involving athletes and former athletes, and they still find their way to make it on the team. So I just think it's going to be a while before a team actually resigns them. But I think before the season, before the definitely before the season starts, he's going to be on the team. Unfortunately, I do agree with you. I wish that I could say I didn't think he'd be signed just because, you know, I don't think men, people who abuse women should get a job. But I think he'll end up signing. He'll probably, like, sign for the vet minimum. It's going to be nowhere near as much money as he could have gotten. But correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Miles Bridges the one who, like, the player who, like, tries to act hard? Like, didn't before this happen, like, a week or so, like, he posted a video, like, drinking some lean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's him. And then, so it's just like, I feel like his image was already, at the very least, people thought that he was immature. But not only are you doing this type of stuff where you're, you know, you're posting drinking illegal substances and then now you're being accused of domestic violence. That's a terrible look. So if he is signed, I don't know if I'd say it'd be before the season. I think that teams are probably going to want to see how all of this plays out first before they give him a chance. Because the worst thing you want to do is you sign him and then he's found guilty and ends up having to go to jail. So I think that they're probably going to try to wait to see how everything plays out, which may take a year or so. But I think that if he ends up avoiding jail time, he'll probably end up on another court. But on a bit more, a much lighter note, but also some shenanigans, it seems that the drama in Brooklyn never sleeps. As we all know, there were talks about Kyrie Irving and whether he was going to be coming back. He ends up signing his qualifying offer, which shut down talks for about a day. But then it came out that Kevin Durant was requesting a trade from the Nets and it got everybody talking again. Now we don't know if where KD is going to go, where Kyrie's going to go. Are they going to go somewhere together? It's a whole bunch of craziness, but just for the sake of conversation, let's let's avoid com- let's not talk about compensation because that's the hard part because whoever gets KD is going to have to give up just about everything. But just for the sake of conversation, Ethan in your opinion, what teams do you think would be with the rosters that they have now would be the top 3 best fits for Kevin Durant? Oh, the rosters they have now um, the Memphis Grizzlies are one. Yeah, I had them on my list too. I would say, really, it's easy. He, he can go anywhere, but the Memphis Grizzlies, since it's a rumor that they're thinking about it, I would also say the Warriors again. Even though if that were to happen, I would um, I would seriously consider boycotting the NBA. Yeah. Um. And I would throw a dark horse that I would say to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Ooh, okay. Um, I'm not gonna lie. If he goes back to the Warriors, I'm I'm gonna lose respect for him again. Just because it's like you left trying to show that you could do it on your own. They won a ring and then you go right back. Like if his if his image and his reputation wasn't already messed up by the quote-unquote decision of a few years ago. Just imagine how much worse it's going to be now. People are It's going to be really hard for people to take Kevin Durant seriously, no matter how great of a basketball player he actually is. Um, but, okay, for me, I had the Grizzlies too. Um, but I also added the Trailblazers. I think him and Dan, Dane would really be lethal together. And then I put the Nets. I feel like what's going on in Brooklyn, Like I feel like they could really repair. Because I'm not going to lie to you. I have no clue where Kevin Durant is going to go. But if you had gun to your head, you had to pick a team, where do you think KD ends up? One of the two teams that he listed, simply because, like, that's just the way that the NBA works now, where it's like the player has all of the um, all of the power. So I think that it's a situation to where he might end up on a team like a – Miami. Now, in talking about Phoenix or Miami, realistically, do you all right, let's just start with Miami. Is there any way that you can get him, okay, get KD, but keep Jimmy Butler and or Bam Adebayo? Yeah, I don't think so either. And then same for Phoenix. You and I talked about it. I already said I wouldn't give up Devin Booker for Kevin Durant. It would be a hard no for me. But 
let's say for the sake of conversation, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and you trade away Devin Booker and CP3. Are you doing it? You said Pretty much you're trading Devin Booker and CP3 for Kyrie Irving and KD if they really want to stay together. Would you do it? I'd say no, still. Yeah, no. Yeah, so, and especially because it looks like the Nets are looking like for some Herculean-type trade offer, so I don't know where they're going to get it from. But because I think I, I just got a notification from Bleach Report that was like for Minnesota to have a chance, they have to give up Cat and Ant, which I don't see that happening. So, yeah, no, I genuinely have no clue where Kevin Durant's going. And, honestly, I still really don't know where Kyrie is going. It seems like the only option is the Lakers. So, do you think it's a foregone conclusion conclusion that Kyrie Urban is going to be a Laker, or do you think another team has a chance? I think it's Lakers or no one, because I don't think anybody else besides the Lakers want Kyrie, genuinely wants Kyrie. Which is wild. But we'll see how it all shakes out. Probably by next episode we may have answers. And if not – The saga continues. But, all right, let's go ahead and talk the NBA draft. It was a couple of weeks ago. We're already seeing some rookies balling out during the summer league game. So, let's go ahead and start off on a positive note. Ethan, in your opinion, what were your top three favorite picks? Top three favorite picks. Um, Honestly, two of my top three favorite picks are the same thing. The Detroit Pistons drafting Jaden Ivey, the Detroit Pistons drafting Jalen Duran, and um, the Ashley the Grizzlies drafting Kennedy Chandler. Kennedy Chandler was in mind too. I love that pick. I think he's going to be a major steal, especially getting him in the second round. Um, one of mine is Malachi Brahman going to the Spurs at 20. I think they get a solid shooter, show some flashes late. The Spurs, honestly, are just going to be playing – because they have to. I don't think that they're going to be a playoff threat by any means. But I do think that Brahman can really learn a lot from playing under Coach Pop, depending on how long he stays their coach. And then number one for me, I mean, I also had Jaden Ivey in there. I, I love that pick. All right, let's go with our top three most questionable picks. For me, I had uh, Jake Laravia going to the Grizzlies. I'm just interested in the role he's going to play. Is he going to take over for what uh, Kyle Anderson was doing? How is It'll be interesting to see how he fits into the team. Um, Shaden Sharp going to the Blazers. He's a guy who hasn't played in over a year. While it seems like the Blazers and Damian Lillard included likes his potential, it's only a matter of potential is great, but you still haven't played in a long time. So I think it might take a while for him to transition to the NBA game. And then – uh, the Spurs taking Jeremy Sochan out of Baylor. He was a really solid defensive guy, but there's questions of if that's going to be able to translate to the NBA level. And also, you got to be able to produce offensively in some sort of capacity, especially if you're being taken ninth overall, and he did not show that in college. Uh, for me, one of them is going to be um, the Indiana Pacers drafting um, – Benedict. I, I can't pronounce it. Yes, Benedict Mathburner from Arizona. And my reason why this is a head scratch is because you just gave up DeMontis Sabonis and some nice pieces to get um, Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Hill. You, I understand you traded Malcolm Brogdon, but it's like, I mean, not traded, but Malcolm, you, um, yeah, they did trade Malcolm Brogdon. You yep, traded Malcolm Brogdon. Boston. But it's like, you you traded him just to essentially bring in another guard when you made a trade during the regular season for a guard, a guard 
you could potentially build your team around. So it kind of it's kind of like a head scratcher where it's like, um, are you going to have like these three guard dynamic? And I understand that like a team has been somewhat successful with it in the Phoenix Suns when they had Goran Dragic, Isaiah Thomas, and Gary Bledsoe. But I don't know. Um, another one I'm also in agreement with is Jake. Um, I can't pronounce his last name either. Uh, Lafia. Lover, yeah. Um, that pick because it's like, um, are you going to? Is he going to be just solely a shooter? Do you want him to play the Kyle Anderson role, like you said? I personally think that they should have. They re- even though they did ultimately rectify like backup point guard with Ch- Kennedy Chandler in a later round, I think they also might have should have looked at like some more bigs. And I know that they did with the other um, guy from Colorado, but he's like a six five big. I mean, when I say a big, I mean a big that legit has size. It's yeah. like at least six ten and up. So that was a head scratcher. Um. And I think, really, for me, the honestly, a head scratcher is the fact that the the Pistons were able to get Jalen Duran because wasn't they pick Charlotte's pick? So it was Charlotte's pick, and then they traded him to New York, the Knicks, and then the Knicks traded him because he was a part of that big trade that um that sent Kimba to Detroit. Yeah. It was a whole lot of hot mess. <laughs> Yeah, it it was it's just weird because if you're Charlotte, one of the things that they needed recently a is a big with size, and Jalen Duran is like a perfect example of that because he's a guy you don't have to really ask him to do much. Just set screens for long. Lamelo, Rose, the basket. He's going to find you and um block shots, and that's what he did in college. He would have been a perfect fit, and you just let him basically go for nothing. So, yeah. That's my life, top three. Yeah, that was, that was really weird. Because, honestly, like you mentioned, the Hornets could have used him. The Knicks could have used him. And, uh, of course, the Pistons could use him, too. But he's now with the Pistons. So, yeah, his whole saga was – his draft night was really weird. But, I mean, him landing with the Pistons and them getting Jaden Ivey. Truthfully, I look at them as draft winners and then draft losers. I got the Knicks. Because how do you end the weekend with getting literally nobody? But like, yeah. I understand. I'm I was going to say, I understand. No, nah, I was just going to say, I understand that ultimately they might have gotten the guy that they wanted in Jalen Brunson. But I feel like you could have got Jalen Brunson and some nice pieces in the draft. Yeah, you would think. You would definitely think. All right, so bold prediction about this, the NBA now after this draft class. Bold prediction about the NBA after this draft class. Um, Bold prediction, which it might not be that bold, but Jaden Ivey is going to be John Moran 2.0. Like, they're essentially the same player. Jaden's just a little bit bigger than John. They're both super athletic. But outside of that, I think that Chet, he's going to be better than a lot of people, including myself, thinks. But he's not going to be, like, he's not going, he's going to, he's not going to live up to that top what top three overall draft selection that he was selected by that's fair um uh, my bold prediction is under the direction of Dwayne Casey I'm 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 on the K Cunningham hype train I can't wait to see what him and Jaden Ivey can do together I like Jalen Duran um I think low-key 
My bold prediction is the Pistons are going to be fighting for a spot in the play-in tournament. Not playoffs, nothing like that. But I think that when the season is coming to a close, especially with whatever is going on in the Eastern Conference, I could really see them fighting for that 10th spot and possibly being in the play-in tournament. That's that's my bold prediction. But, all right, let's go ahead and talk about some players who are already established in the league, a.k.a. free agents. So let's go ahead. Ethan, And you want to go back and forth with our top five moves? Um, or how do you want to do it? I'm always down for the back and forth. All right, bet. So let's start off on a good note. Top five moves that we felt were the best of free agency, or at least so far. So five for me. This was easy. Uh, power forward Bobby Portis staying in Milwaukee, four-year, 48.5 mil. I mean, I didn't want him to leave anyway. I think that he's a really nice fit for what this team does. Clearly has great chemistry with his teammates. May not put up the most numbers in terms of his stat sheet, but what he does just in terms of what his presence means to the team is invaluable. So I'm happy they brought him back. Yeah, I'm, for me, I'm in agreement with Bobby Portis. I think that he's, he brings a lot of intangibles and toughness and just he's a perfect fit for their team. All right, let's go ahead and move on to number four. For me, this is where I got guard John Wall going to the Clippers on a two-year, $13.2 million deal. I mean, considering how much money he pretty much stole uh, from uh, from Houston over – Washington and Houston over the past few years. I mean, the fact that the Clippers got him for a deal that's maybe $7.5 million a year, that's a win. And plus, he sat out this whole past season, so he should be healthy. You get a healthy him, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, that could be a really lethal trio in this league. So I really like that deal a lot. Oh, uh, for me, the deal that I like is going to be um the seventy sixes draft signing PJ Tucker. I think that's a underrated that's an underrated deal. Um, because he's the type of guy that I think Philly needs. Like he He's going to provide toughness. He's going to be a defensive stopper. He's a guy that you can put, you can pair. And granted, I understand that they still have Tobias Harris for now, but he's a guy that you can pair up next to Joel Embiid, and he's a capable shooter. He's going to provide spacing. He's just going to provide the, the dirty work that I think that their team needed last, especially last playoffs. And he's a perfect example of that. Feel you on that. I got some contradictory thoughts on P.J. Tucker, but we'll get to that later. Um, All right, number three for me, Lou Dort staying with the Thunder, five-year, 82.5 mil. I like this deal just because Lou Dort really showed flashes last season, especially when Shy got hurt. I mean, Lou Dort at times looked like the best player on the Thunder, which when you look at the overall record, they may not mean much, but just in terms of being an offensive powerhouse, defensively made some really good plays. I think that Lou Dort is going to be a part of the change that's going to make these Oklahoma City Thunder, a team that doesn't seem like they've been in a constant rebuild, but actually a contender in the West. Uh, for me, I'm going to say um, John Wall, simply because I think that when you bring back a healthy Kawhi Leonard and a healthy Paul George, and you add what might be a healthy John Wall, you can have, because I'm not even thinking more so offensively, I'm thinking defensively. Because a lot of people have failed to realize that when you had, when John Wall was healthy, he was one of the better point guard defenders in the NBA. And if he's able to um, get anywhere close to that type of defense that he used to be now, and you throw in a Paul George and a Kawhi Leonard, you can have a three-headed monster at your 
point guard, small forward, and shooting guard positions from a defensive standpoint. And we all know that offensively, like, once they pick, I feel like once they figure it out and they jail, they're going to be extremely dangerous. Most dev. All right, number two for me. I'm going to say Bradley Beal staying with the Wizards. Not because I like that he stayed with the Wizards, especially because right before he signed the deal, he said, "What? oh, my gosh, I'm trying to remember the quote. He was like, my biggest fear is, like, not giving myself the opportunity to win. But then when a team offers you $250 million, I think not winning. I think you can live with that for a little bit. So don't love that he stayed in Washington, but I love the contract for him. That makes sense. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with the New York Knicks signing Jalen Brunson. I think in total, they definitely probably overpaid for him. But he's a guy that you can throw in. He's a shot creator. He can make – he's a playmaker. He's a guy that can make his own shot and set other people up. He's a guy that even though we saw it in a brief stint, we've seen him being able to lead a team. And I think that he can also provide, maybe provide some steadiness that for the Knicks that they haven't had these last two years because they had like Julius Randle. He's been a decent, he's been a good to above average player for them, but he regressed. And I think a big part of that is because like he started gaining number one attention. Yeah, and. Like, that does a lot for you. And, like, now that you have R.J. Berry kind of coming more to his own and you bring in a Jalen Brunson, like, you have more guys that can take this pressure off of Julius Randle so they might help his game. And then, like I said, like, Jalen Brunson, he he's shown that he could be a number one guy for a small stint. And you might not ask him to just be a – you're not asking him to be a superstar-level player. But I think Jalen Brunson can be an all-star level player in New York. That's fair. All right, and number one, I got guard Zach Levine staying with the Bulls, five-year, 215 mil. Another one who I was kind of hoping would leave, I would have loved to have him in L.A. But, I mean, once again, if you offer me over $200 million, I'd go just about anywhere. Plus, I mean, when you look at the Bulls, when he was healthy, when Lonzo was healthy, DeMar was healthy, they look like one of the best teams in the NBA. Hopefully this will be the year that they can kind of get over the hump of the superstar teams. But I like this move for the Bulls a lot. For me, i got to go with one Nikola Jokic getting a bag to stay in Denver. This man is a two-time, if I'm not mistaken, back-to-back MVP winner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, so once you – like, this saying that alone solidifies everything that you have to think about Nicole Jokic. Yeah, no, Nicole Jokic is insane. Now, if I would have factored in, like, in contract extensions, Ja would have easily been in this list too because, I mean – you can't let Memphis go. You can't let Jaw leave Memphis. That's no way. All right. All right. Let's go ahead. Flip the switch. Switch. Let's talk the worst deals of free agency so far. You can go ahead and start us off with this one. The worst deals. I'm just going to go to a part. I'm going to. This deal is in the top five just from a personal level. It's Kyle Anderson going to the Timberwolves. He went to the Ops. Like, he went to the Ops, and it hurt bad. Yeah, I get that. Uh, Number five for me. Not because I don't – okay, I'm saying Anthony Simons for going back to Portland, not because I don't like him going back to Portland, but what has he shown you in, what, the past three, four years? Yeah, exactly. 
I like him going back, but I feel like you could have brought him back on a much cheaper deal unless you just want to guarantee he wasn't going nowhere else. All right, your turn. Where's four? I now that you say it, that I actually agree with that, so that's my four as well. Yeah, it's just that's a lot of money. All right, uh, my four is P.J. Tucker to the 76ers. Now, once again, this has nothing to do with the money because the deal is cheap. It's just I like the fit of him as a player, but it's like we talked about this. The 76ers really need to make a splash in free agency. They really need to go ahead, go balls to the wall to try to improve this team. Getting P.J. Tucker does not make them a better team than they were at the end of last season. And so unless they're going to make more moves than that, I feel like I'm not even a 76ers fan, but you can't come to me if I'm a 76ers fan and say, here we fixed the team and all you did was get P.J. Tucker. But that's just me. I see. I got a, I got a glass half empty glass half full of pros to them. And the reason I say that is because Granted, I think that you would look for them to make a splash in the uh, pre-agency market, but I think cap-wise, they aren't able to. And I also think that they might have a lot of growth eternally. Like Tyrese Maxey doing this playoff show. That he Balled out. Ace. Yeah, he hoop, he was hooping, like balling out. And there's something that I think paid, like showed them. I think that there's something that they can look towards to can look towards the um for the next the remainder of the season. And then like James Harden, like I mean, mm-hmm. I think he's not going to be the same James Harden of old. But I think if he comes back and he's committed to being in shape and he's committed to like I'm not even gonna say defense because we all know yeah, it's not gonna happen. But he but like if he just comes back committed to committed to being in shape and being a guy that can break down the defense and get to the hole and make shots for other people and score as well. He might not get those explosive games, but also the difference between James Harden, like another difference that people don't understand is James Harden wasn't playing with a top five talent in Houston ever in his life. Yeah. Joel Embiid is a top five talent. Like, at this point, in my mind, I'm not looking for James Harden to get 50. I'm looking for him to get 25 to 30. And Joel is the guy that I'm looking to get 40 plus. So if he's committed to being in shape and being a guy that can score in with like 30, 25 to 30 points, and he can do it at a consistent rate, I do think that they're grow tremendously. See, I feel you on that, but he was playing with a top five talent in New York. And though – Injuries definitely made it hard for them to play on the court at the same time. I'm still – I'm not forgetting about that hot mess that was that Brooklyn Nets. But, yeah. No, I, I hear you. I mean, don't get me wrong. You, there are teams in much worse situations than the 76ers. It's just they knew that they need to do something in free agency. They needed another spark. Of course, the Bradley Beal thing didn't work out. Zach Levine didn't work out. But, I mean, you have – James Harden said – the reason why he didn't opt into this player option was to give the team financial flexibility to make some moves. And I'm just saying you got to come better than P.J. Tucker. That's all I'm saying. All right, um, you're up. What's your number three? Uh, my number three, was this a trade? Yeah, it was a trade, so I can't. No, you can use uh, it. You can use it. It's fine. Okay, my number three is the Celtics trading for Malcolm Brogdon. And the reason I'm saying it is because the same reason I said it for the Pacers. The Celtics traded for a guy that's very similar to um, Derek White. And 
Marcus Smart. Like he, Marcus Smart, he's more of a defender. But Derek White was a guy that's very similar to um, Malcolm Brogdon. So it kind of, to me, kind of cancels out. It, yeah, it's like, bro, you just got the same dude. You might have just got you got you just traded for a better version of someone that you already have. Yeah. And granted, it's a better version, but you already have him on your roster. Yeah. So it just didn't make sense to me. So kind of skipping ahead in the program, and how would you grade that trade for both sides? Uh, for Indiana, yeah, it's hard for me to tell because they didn't really get anything as far as like player compensation that you can look at. You never know what the draft picks might turn out to be. I think for the Celtics, it might pay dividends simply because he's a guy that I think one of the things that they suffered from in the finals against the Warriors is in the late crunches of the games, they had to throw Marcus Smart out there with in point guard, and he made a lot of bad decisions. And you can throw, you can have Malcolm Brogdon out there running point guard. He's not the dynamic defender, isn't like Marcus Smart, but he's the guy that's a really capable defender. But on the offensive side of the ball, he can actually make shots. He's a guy that's going to make smart decisions, and he's not going to like cost you a game by making a boneheaded play. That's fair. I like the move for the Celtics, so. I would give them a B-plus for it. I like it. I mean, especially because they're not a team that I thought was going to be crazy aggressive in free agency, but I think if you do get a Malcolm Brogdon, that is an upgrade. I think Malcolm Brogdon, just because his play style isn't necessarily sexy, and I mean, when you look at the team he's played for for the past few years, not many people are talking about the Pacers. But I think Malcolm Brogdon's game is underrated, so I like it for them. As for the Pacers, I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, they didn't get too much in return, and they're kind of banking on the draft pick, so I don't have much of a grade. But in terms of Brogdon, I give them a B plus. But all right, um, my number three was uh, Mitchell Robinson getting a four-year 60 mil from the Knicks just because I'm looking at it from the context of you could have got Jalen Durant to – supremely cheaper and possibly a better player somebody and Mitchell Robinson isn't the guy who y'all haven't been a hundred percent on since you drafted him but I mean I don't hate him being back it's just the money's a bit much all right who's your number two my number two huh. let me think my number two you want me to go I want to no, go with the Mitchell Robinson because like it don't it doesn't make sense like you stated, um, yeah, I, I gotta go with it because it doesn't make sense. That's fair. Like you, you like one of the issues is he was out of shape. At least in Jalen Duran, you know he's a young guy that so far has been committed to staying in shape. Yeah. So yeah, I gotta go, Mitchell Robinson. That's fair. All right, my number two is Jalen Brunson to the Knicks. Not. This all it, it's another one that just comes down to money. Like they are giving him four year, hundred and four mil, and last season, well, not even last season, but the few games we saw in the playoffs when Luca was out, when he balled out, that was the best we've seen of Jalen Brunson throughout his entire career. And don't get me wrong, there have been times when guys have kind of flashed a few days few games and that's like parlates them having successful careers when they get a bigger role but I just I don't know if Jalen Brunson is necessarily the one to do it 
Like, I, I, they needed a point guard. Everybody knows this. I think R.J. Barrett is really making nice steps. I'm not totally sold on Julius Randle. Jalen Brunson can be a nice fit, but they're treating him. Essentially, they gave him the red carpet that they were trying to give Kyrie Irving a couple years ago, KD a couple years ago, Zion a couple years ago. But Jalen Brunson is one of those guys where it's like, well, maybe if we try hard enough and we flirt hard enough, They'll take us out on a date when all the other people, the the tens in the school, or the tens around you didn't want to kick it with you. So now you got to give all this attention to a seven. I, that's pretty much how I look at the Jalen Brunson situation. Not saying he can't be good, but that's that's a lot of time and attention they gave to somebody who we don't even know if they can be a star in this league or at least an all star. Because that's still asking for a lot. And eat, let's be honest, the All-Star game, high key, is a popularity contest anyway. So he might not make it just based off that. That is true. Um, since you're allowing trades in this scenario, you know where I'm going. I know. Rudy freaking Gobert to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. Don't love it. I don't like that. I don't like that trade at all. It makes like, no sense to me. No, it, uh, I'm going to be completely honest. From a basketball standpoint, it actually makes sense to me. And the reason I say it makes sense is because Carl Anthony Towns throughout the course of his career, he had, even though he's played center, he's never played like a center. No. His game is more suited to be a power forward. So from that standpoint, and it's a guy that you don't have to – run that many plays for offensively. He's an elite rim protector. I think another thing that happened is when they played Memphis and they didn't have and they didn't have Carl Anthony Towns in the paint, like when he either got foul trouble or he was out, they saw that they had a weakness in being protecting the basket. Yeah, because they when he was the out point. of the Yeah, they exploited it. So I think they might have played a huge role in it. But I hate it just because I don't like Rudy Gobert. I don't like the Minnesota Timberwolves. I don't like the fact that they gave them everything under the sun to get him. And now he's blind. He died his her blind and talking about he wants to bring a championship to Minnesota. No, you're not. Yeah, it's not happening. It's funny. I don't know if you saw it, but I sent it to you on Twitter where he made mention of uh, wanting to bring – the team to the finals and then there was a sub tweet that was like oh that's so sweet of him buying everybody tickets to the finals because he ain't going um yeah no I don't like the trade I personally for me it doesn't make sense in the sense of if you're gonna give up all that you gave up I think that you should have definitely made I'm not giving all that up for Rudy Gobert like yes that does help you out like in the case of the Grizzlies it helps you out because you do have that perimeter presence but that's it most of the other teams that you're going up against, they're definitely more they're more so scoring on the perimeter. They're not relying on beating you from the inside, similar to what the Grizzlies do. So what are you going to do up against the Warriors? You're not going to expect Rudy Gobert to kick out to the corner, right? You're not you're not expecting him to block nobody from the three. So if the Grizz, I mean, Grizzlies, if the Warriors aren't going in the paint, Rudy Gobert is ineffective. If you're going up against a team like, dang, I can't even say the Nets no more because you know they're whatever the heck they're doing. The Warriors. I just said the Warriors. I'm trying to think of another team who's not combustible. Okay, for the sake of argument, let's say you're going up against the Mavs and Luka and co. Luka don't have to drive on you every time. He can just splash it all over the court. 
what what is Rudy Gobert gonna do then? Especially because they got Christian Wood, but that doesn't mean they're really gonna do much with their bigs like they haven't been doing. So it's like if you look at it from the stance of playing the Grizzlies, yeah, sure, getting Rudy Gobert makes sense. But looking at almost every other team in the league who is not relying on scoring in the paint, it it just does not make sense to me. It's not a good move, especially considering how much they gave up. So if we throwing out grades. I give an A- minus to the Jazz because I feel like they could have got D-Lo in that trade, too, since, I mean, it just seemed like the the Timberwolves were just desperate to get uh, Rudy Gobert. But for the Timberwolves, I'm giving it a C-. minus. I don't I don't like the move. See, I think, I think the D-Lo piece, I don't – I wouldn't have traded for him because, to me, adding D-Lo doesn't make sense because you have, you have Mike Conley, who you paid a lot of money. You have – the only way I can see them – making the move for adding D'Lo is if you're going to get rid of like Donovan. But I think now that you had got rid of Rudy, you're going to keep Donovan. So adding D'Lo and Mike Conley is like they already have two ball-dominant guards, so it doesn't make sense. Now, you know how I feel about the whole spider thing. I think Donovan Mitchell should be traded. And if I was going to – if you can't find a trade partner for Mike Conley, just, he would just be my sixth man. That's how I would work it. Because I would still, if some kind of way, I'd want to get D-Lo. Because I'm still on the bandwagon of I think Utah should go towards a rebuild. But that's just me. But my uh, number one worst deal is Malik Monk to the Kings on a two-year 19.4 mil. Mainly because I feel like he sold himself short. I mean, there were times, especially when everybody in L.A. was hurt, where he looked like the best Laker. He came off the bench and outperformed Melo. Times he outperformed Russ. He was outperforming everybody and not saying he was a superstar but he was a really good player who at the very least could have signed with a playoff team but you go to the kings who i like spot i mean i'm not spider i'm sorry i like swiper i like i like the combination of him and demontis Sabonis. that could be interesting i like keegan murray i think keegan can be cool but still really you took a pay cut to go to the kings of all teams it just don't love it don't love it. All right, let's grade a couple of the trades that we did not talk about. Um, Will Will Barton and uh, – I'm, I'm messing up his name. Monte Morris and Will Barton were traded to the Washington Wizards in exchange for uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope and Ish Smith. I like this trade a lot for the Wizards, actually. So, for that, I'm going to give them a B plus, And for the Nuggets, I'm going to give them a C plus. I'm going to give you both of them C plus. Fair. Very fair. Honestly, I like the I like Will Barton a lot. Um and I feel like I, I hate to wish this on Bradley Beal, but he's gotten hurt quite a bit. So it wouldn't necessarily shock me if he messed around and ended up getting hurt at some point and Will Barton would have to kind of take over and be that guy. That's why I like cuz he's Will Barton has shown he could be that guy. All right, a trade that, of course, when it happened, you and I were shocked, and that is DeJounte Murray being moved from the San Antonio Spurs, being sent to the Atlanta Hawks in exchange for three first-round picks, Danilo Gallinari, and then, yeah, um, it sounded like Danilo Gallinari is going to be uh, bought out of his deal. And DeJounte Murray talked about the trade, um, because of course people were wondering what led to it, especially after he had a year where, in my opinion, he should have won uh most improved player, but that's neither here nor there. And he said they didn't want to see me waste years rebuilding and stuff. They want to see me win and just the be the best DeJounte. So I thank them for that a lot. That's what makes our relationship special and family forever. So 
it, it adds some context as to why the Spurs traded him. I respect them for not wasting his career because, I mean, I think he's really on the upswing. So, for both sides, how are you grading this trade, starting with the Hawks? necessarily give up a lot to get a all-star caliber player to pair next to Trey Young. You also didn't give up any real like foundational pieces. Like in the deal for DeJounte Murray, I would have definitely required a John, at least John Collins to be in some yeah, type of deal. Hundred percent. And yeah, and the fact that you were able to keep him, Trey Young, and even Clint Capella, like. So yeah, I think they get an A minus. The only reason I give it, I don't give it, I give it an A minus is because I just think that, like you, now you you also still have a lot of guards. Cause you yeah you last season you signed um both what's his first name Bogdanovich. I forgot his first name. He's a he's a guard. Yeah. Like you have a lot, like you have a lot of guards. You have Kevin Herter. You have a lot of wing players because Dejounte, even though he is a point guard by trade, because you have Trey Young, he's not going to be playing the point guard position. Yeah. It's going to be Trey Young. And granted, Trey Young probably is more capable playing off ball because of his shooting capability. But still, you have a lot of guards. So, and for the Spurs. I'm going to give them a B. Yeah, I got to give the Spurs a low grade just because you didn't get – how did you not get John Collins out of this? Like, I understand you're going through a rebuild, but, hey, this would give John Collins a perfect opportunity to be the guy. Um, Yeah, so I, I'm agreeing with you on that. And then pretty much same for the Heat. Um, They are pretty guard heavy now, but, I mean, in today's NBA, I think that they, they could make that work. So, yeah, I feel you on that. All right, so let's go ahead and play a quick game of believable or buffoonery, starting off with the Utah Jazz. As previously mentioned, they got quite a bit from the um, from Minnesota, which included Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley, a couple other guys, and I think like three or four – no, actually five first-round picks, something ridiculous in exchange for Rudy Gobert. And guess what? It seems like they are no longer looking to trade Donovan Mitchell. Reportedly by Woes, the Jazz have shut down any team who was called about trying to trade for Donovan Mitchell. The Jazz are committed to moving forward with him as their cornerstone player. So, believable or buffoonery, Utah is making the right decision, keeping Donovan Mitchell in tow and hoping to build a contender. Because I'm saying buffoonery. I think this is a terrible decision. between the friction in the organization all started with Rudy Gobert when he decided to make a mockery of Kobe and it was the first one who got it and from that point open to recent history the divide was between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and you had to decide who were you going to stick with and being completely honest in today's NBA you're you're better equipped to build a team around a dynamic guard that can score at all three levels than you are a big man that's only good at shot blocking shots and catching lobs. Yeah, very true. I'm still saying buffoonery just because 
let's be honest, Utah is never going to be a sexy place for people to want to play. And while you do have all these draft picks and you got all these pieces from Minnesota, it's going to take a minute before that team is really going to be ready to contend. And I just, I'm just not sold on it happening. I kind of feel like it might be kind of a situation where they're not exactly rebuilding. And yeah, they have their cornerstone star, but I don't think they're going to be winning anything. And I just feel like Donovan Mitchell be much better off on a team that's more ready and willing to compete, such as the Miami Heat, or if you want to say the Lakers or just a situation like that. I'm not buying what they're selling right now in terms of Utah. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the Boston Celtics, who were very close to being NBA champions, but fell short in six games against the Warriors. However, Marcus Smart is taking umbrage to some comments made by pundits and fans talking about the team's point guard situation. He said, I hear talks about he's not a point guard and this and that. They need a star point guard. We've had a star point guards, and yet this so-called non-point guard is the only one that led them to the finals. It's funny how he used the word let. I don't mean it in the sense of like a star point guard. I think they need a guy like this is what I like. Marcus Smart, he could be a true point guard in the sense of he's a guy that you don't really have to take. He doesn't need to take a lot of shots. But the thing of it is, he does take a lot of shots. He takes a lot of ill-advised threes. So I think they just need a guy that can – can get Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown the ball, play defense, and just move the ball around and get the ball to the right guy at the right time. And he has the capabilities of doing that. He just at times gets too happy with jacking up threes, which is why I think in previous years, I think it was last year especially, I wanted them to trade for Lonzo because I think he would be a great fit Mm -hmm. for that role. Feel you on that. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm saying believable as well for everything that you just said. All right. So last point for me, Tim Ledger on um, NBA Today, when talking about the Brooklyn Nets, quote unquote, big three of Kevin Durant, James Harden and Kyrie Irving said this has to go down as one of the most epic failures in the history of this league. The league's been around for over 75 years now, but believable or buffoonery, the Brooklyn Nets big three was one of the biggest busts in league history. You have two you have two former MVPs, a guy that is a perennial all star slash all NBA level talent in Kyrie. They team up with the hopes of winning the championship and within the span of one season they didn't play they they only played like maybe 13 total games together due to injury, and then they essentially lost James Harden during the season, and now they're about to lose KD and Kyrie. That's probably the biggest bust in the history of the NBA. And just think, right before all of this came down, they had a squad. Kenny Agustin was coach. Spencer Dinwiddie was balling. D'Lo was having the, playing the best he had ever played. The Nets were like – they lacked, I guess, that superstar, but they were still winning games. They were still a playoff team that felt like they were a couple pieces away and they threw it all away and got nothing in return. So, yeah, I am in agreement with you there. But, all right, let's go ahead and talk the WWE. Liv Morgan kicks off Money in the Bank by becoming Mrs. Money in the Bank and winning the briefcase for an eventual cash-in that I will get to momentarily. Uh, Bobby Lashley debunks the theory, 
see what I did there, by becoming the new United States champion. It's still EST season after Carmella was taken down by the KLD, given by my girl Bianca Belair to help retain her Raw Women's Championship. The Street Profits damn near break out of the Uso Penitentiary, but it's not meant to be after they get screwed, which is unfortunate, but it's also going to set up for a banger of a match at SummerSlam, which I am excited for. Uh, Liv Morgan makes a SmackDown Women's Division fun again after rolling up Ronda Rousey, cashing in her briefcase to become the new SmackDown Women's Champ. And after a late addition, Theory is Mr. Money in the Bank. Could have did without that last one. Everything else was fine, though. Overall, I went four and two. My favorite match of the night, unsurprisingly, was the tag team championship match. I mean, Montez Ford is a dog. Angelo Dawkins is a dog who we don't really talk about as much. Um, The Usos, dogs. I mean, coming into this match, it was the one that honestly – um, excluding the Money in the Bank matches, of course, that I was the most excited about because they're two of my favorite tag teams ever. And I knew they were going to put on the show and the ability was really on display for both teams. And I was so happy that they actually got time to put on a banger because I want to say it might have been one of the lengthier matches on the card. I know it was the longest non-ladder uh, match on the card. And I'm just so excited to see how this feud progresses. Low-key, I did kind of think that uh, I did kind of think a heel turn from Montez was coming on Doc. But I'm happy that it didn't because, like I said, it's going to set up some for SummerSlam. And we'll see how things go from there. Uh, next up, my favorite moment. <sighs> you know what? I have something here, but I'm going to change it. Obviously, Liv Morgan rolling up Ronda Rousey to become the SmackDown Women's Champion. Like, I'll, I'll be honest. I've never professed to be that big of a Liv Morgan fan. I like Liv. I think Liv is cool. But any day that Ronda Rousey is not a champion in the WWE is a good day to me. Even though I still feel like she's probably going to be at SummerSlam and she's going to have a rematch against Liv, which I could do without, I'm still happy that at least I got this moment. And I'm even happy that Liv got her moment because she deserves it. I mean, she's been through a lot. And like I said, she makes a SmackDown Women's Division fun again because right now they're going through a bit of a dry spell. Um, So who increased their stock? Theory. I mean, yes, he lost the United States Championship in a pretty good match against Bobby Lashley, but then in the same night to win Money in the Bank. I mean, where do you go from there? I mean, there's, there's not much bad you can say. Now, do I think that Roman or Brock are going to let him pin him and, like, you know, he becomes the undisputed champion? Absolutely not. But at least for the weekend, let, let's let him enjoy his moment. He's still got a year. Um, decrease stock, Ronda Rousey. Hi, you're not champion, and typically, you know, when you're not champion, you don't have much else to do, so hopefully that means she goes away. Um, my one booking decision, to be honest, I really didn't have many. I guess the only one I would have had is just add another woman, woman to the uh, Women's Money in the Bank match. I mean, not that it would have really made a difference. I think that the, you know, the field was pretty good the way that it was. It's just I'm used to seeing eight women in the match, so just for it to be seven was kind of was throwing me off so yeah I was at another woman don't ask me who unless you want to like go cool and pick somebody from uh NXT that would have been dope I wish they would you know start bringing more NXT women in but I guess we're just looking at NXT is just developmental again but whatever my WTF moment theory winning money in the bank was not expecting that one because when they mentioned the eighth participant I didn't know who I thought it was gonna be I was kind of just almost cool with whoever and then it was theory and I was kind of disappointed because then I figured yeah he's probably gonna win but I mean it is what it is so yeah it was definitely a WTF moment but it's still I don't think took away from the match but overall I would give it a the show grade a B plus I think money in the bank was pretty good this year I think that 
obviously, you know, Liv winning is a highlight because I think, as she mentioned on the bump, what sets her apart from past champions is people want her to be champion. I mean, she's beloved by fans, and I think that given this new opportunity to throw into this different stratosphere, I think she can do some really, really big things. I'm excited to see how it plays out for her. Uh, so, yeah, that is it for me and the X Report. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode for myself, for Ethan. Really appreciate you guys being here on a week-to-week basis. I know these last few weeks have been kind of weird just with vacations and us doing different things and me going through a move and all that. It's been a lot, but thank you guys for continuing to hold us down. You guys are awesome. Uh, please be sure to continue to check us out at theexport.net. I repeat, theexport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours, truly, and fellow export writers. More specifically, my football fans. Like I said, um, I break down each te- NFL team's best offseason edition. So please be sure to check that out. Let me know what you think. Did I get the your be- favorite team right? Did I get it wrong? Please feel free to let me know. Um, also, please be sure to check out previous episodes of our lovely podcast and uh, YouTube videos. I mean, we got content on every platform for you guys. But once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Can't wait to see you guys again. And we'll see you all next time.